Hello and welcome to Touchline. My name is Mark Cameron. In studio today with me is a old familiar voice in Jeff Harper. Jeff, welcome back into studio. Yeah, thanks, Mark. Lucky to be here again. Good to have you, my friend. Just on today's topics, there's a few exciting things that we talk about today. Um, one of them is the unfortunate postponement of schoolboy sport. We will be dealing with local club rugby and the flyer tournament that has started. Pro 14, Rainbow Cup SA, Varsity Cup, Varsity Shield. And then we will also have a chat about Italy and the coaching staff. But uh, keeping it in South Africa and at school level, we had the sad announcement within this week that the Department of Education has decided to postpone school sport which obviously we are recording from a rugby perspective. Um, sad to say that rugby has now been postponed probably for the remainder of the, of the year. We're already halfway through the year. Um, Jeff, just on your side, being, a, being in school as well, um, what do you think the effect of that would obviously be from, from the boys? Last, last, in the past, we spoke about um, the matriculants that are playing, and then last season, obviously, they would have loved to play, yes, we did play the odd game, um, but it's a massive setback for, for rugby in general. Yeah, Mark, I was actually mentioning it to somebody the other day. It's, a, it's the second time around now where we've got a bunch of matrics that, that are now losing out a, a, another, another year of, of perhaps representing their school in a first-time environment. And it's, it's something that a lot of these kids actually live for. So, you know, it was rugby or, or sport in general. It's what, these, it's what these kids want. It's what they go to school for. They might not be the best in a classroom environment, but... You know that's where they they find their time to shine is on a sports field, be it rugby, be it whatever. Um, and it kind of last minute the plug gets pulled and the kids get disheartened, the coaches get disheartened. So it's it's um, it's not a nice thing to see. And the, you know to see the look on the kids' faces when you tell them that you, you train on the you train on the Monday, you train on the Tuesday, and then on the Wednesday they say, listen, there's no there's no sport this weekend. All the planning has gone into it from the from a coach's point of view. Um, that's now come to nothing. But I think importantly, the the kids are the ones that are most affected, and it's 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 not nice to see. So so I, I feel for them. I really do. I agree with you, and I mean, you know, some schools are have been playing for the last few weeks or whatever. Some other schools only two or three weeks. Regardless of that, there's been a lot of preparation off season um, during school holidays and that for something like this to happen overnight because there were rumours obviously but one hopes that it won't happen and then all of a sudden the plug is pulled so uh, just as a coach um, how would you how would you motivate these youngsters for if and possibly if um, the season might continue would you at your school for argument's sake continue training or what would you guys do yeah mark we'll continue training and we'll we'll keep it within the within the bounds that we're allowed to train in um to just to keep the kids to keep the kids motivated in some way i think there's a lot of uncertainty around all of this are we going to allow to, are we going to be allowed to play aren't we um it's possible that we aren't um but you've got to you know give the give the kids something so even if we're just training keep them interested in the game because that's that's the sad part really when this sort of thing happens is that you know there's a there's a very real danger of just losing these kids to rugby entirely and it's not just about you know we we could sit here and talk about our local schools here in manzum toti the other thing that's got to be considered it's, it's, which is it's huge in some kids' life. You've got Grand Coma Week that is possibly going to be canned. You've got Craven Week, then that's got to, not going to happen. So you have you have kids that are 
that are truly looking forward to that, to play, to get seen, to get contracted, to do all sorts of things. And now uh, that's that's potentially not going to happen, which is which is devastating to some of these boys. I'm glad you're mentioning that because that's one of the points that I wanted to touch on is Graven Week and Grand Como. So um, in, in, in KZN, um, obviously the last two weeks saw the first round of trials um, take place and this Wednesday that passed was the second round. And obviously that was canned as well. So when we say canned, um, the Department of Education said it's postponed. Um, but knowing that the Craven Week traditionally takes place in July, the chances of, of that, I mean, it hasn't been confirmed that it's not on, um, but the chances of that happening is obviously very slim. I think it is slim. If you, if you consider now we're going towards the end of May already, um, back end of May, now, how long do they how long do they keep us under sort of these conditions? If it's four weeks, now we're already into into June. There's lots of lots of preparation with these boys. You've got to get the selections right. Then you've got to get these boys into some form of some form of installation camps, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So 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 time becomes of the essence. And you know these games are are generally televised, and SuperSport have their own agendas to follow. So if that goes any later, then there's then that that has a knock-on effect of 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 uh, television coverage, which then has a knock-on effect for sponsors because now they're not getting that sort of coverage. So there's there's a lot more to it than just a a rugby season, if you will, schoolboy rugby season being being called off. I think part of the problem with that is um, when rugby in general was called off initially, and then obviously we started up again. We had a what was it a 12-week period that we had to return to play. First four weeks was no contact but only fitness then we could go into into contact in pre-season um, this in itself will obviously pose a few few issues as well although um, like you said at schoolboy level you'll continue with training but that's obviously non-contact training or however one goes about um, but the physical side of it obviously has a massive effect as well more so from a provincial point of view when these guys need to go and play so I agree with you I think it's a massive setback um, personally, it's sad, though, but personally, I also think it's it's not going to happen. And it would be the second year where, where these youngsters have an opportunity to showcase their stuff for contracts. And I think I think it has a ripple effect up towards the franchises as well and the senior sides because where do they look for players? You know, obviously, they track and follow them from a very young age, so they have an idea already. But this is a stepping stone for many a boy when they play SA schools, for argument's sake. So for two years running, there wouldn't be any SA schools. Makes it difficult for, for, for provinces to, to contract. What have they seen? You're kind of blind contracting in the moment, and, and uh, these contracts don't come cheap in a, in a lot of instances. So they, they're almost going on reputation. And, yeah, that's difficult. So, but, yeah, to get back to what you, what you said earlier, I'm just thinking over it in my head now. It's, it's, it's very difficult to keep these boys motivated because if there's no... It's a bit of a carrot stick situation. So if they know that there's, if they know that there's no game at the end of this, um, it becomes hard to motivate them during training. So, so coaches have to get creative to make a training session interesting. So it's it's gonna it's gonna bring out the best of us, I guess. No, I agree, and I think it's difficult because you know I always say even at club rugby, you can say what you want to. They follow social media as well, so they know exactly what is going on. You know, so it's not as if they're oblivious to what's going on in the world, which make it sad. So just on that note, if we can leave schoolboy rugby for a second, um, with regards to this. Um, obviously, we spoke franchise rugby and so forth. It would have a ripple effect on that. Um, 
Do you think there's a possibility that uh, club rugby might be affected by this in the near future? Yeah, Jeepers, Mark, I, I hope not. But obviously there's there's the, the rumours abound that it will. Um, you know, you speak to the various stakeholders at the at the union, um, they're they hoping not either. But at, at the end of the day, really, it doesn't come down to what, what, any, what any rugby union, rugby body decides. It comes down to what what the government decides. And if they decide that that club rugby itself has to has to be put on the back burner, then that's what we have to do. But that's going to be another huge disappointment for everybody because if that happens for the next four weeks, bearing in mind, then you've got to go back to the old system where you then you've got to have four weeks of non-contact training, and you've got to you've got to follow all those protocols and guidelines again. Which means effectively, if they say to us you can't play club rugby for another four weeks, um. The club rugby for this season, then I'm afraid, is done because we can't we can't start a league in October. It's impossible. Yeah, sad because I mean you stop for four weeks, but in essence you lose what's it, 16 weeks because yeah. you have to go through the other three months of of pre-season training. Yeah. My my concern with club rugby is that you know we we it's it's uh, we're trying to keep club rugby alive. We're trying to make it interesting. We we we're trying all sorts of things to to keep club rugby relevant, if you will. But to have another full season of no club rugby, really, other than a few pre-season warm-ups for some of the teams, um, the the Flyer Cup um, that's on at the moment, um, so that looks like it'll reach its conclusion tomorrow night. Who knows what's going to happen after that? But yeah, we're just hoping that that it can continue. But if there's no rugby for another year after this, that's two years of no club rugby. I I, f- I fear for the life of club rugby. Really, I do. I agree. It's already a struggle. You could see that with under twenties. Um, yeah. You know, so especially under twenties, the schoolboys playing rugby yeah. coming out of that under twenty has always been a struggle, and I think it's going to be even more so. So if we if we can just stay at club rugby, um, you did allude to the flyer, which we'll touch on now. Um, just from your part at at the local club, obviously you had College Rovers. Um, with regards to COVID and your training and your preseason and that, how's that been going? Mark, the preseason itself has gone well. Um, we've we've done what we needed to do. We've been well prepared. COVID has obviously had its effect on the numbers we're seeing at training, um, not just in the seniors but in the under twenties as well. Um, so you know, gone are those days where a club could field two, maybe three under twenty sides. I'm speaking specifically from a Coralish Rovers point of view. So you've got you've got a number of under twenties that you can pick from. Um, with with College Rovers this year, a, a concern is the is the numbers we've been having at training. Um, you can put two reasonably good sides together, but we've already seen it. Pick up an injury here or there, um, your depth start getting tested. And it's a it's an issue. And that's and that I can almost attribute to no no rugby for over a year at all. And people say, oh but it's one season the next it's not. You must remember that we haven't played for a lot for the for the past year or so. And then what happens is players go into the gyms um, to keep themselves busy and they, they don't do rugby specific training. Now you start having hamstring injuries, you start having back injuries, you start having injuries that are perhaps um, now a, a sort of a cause and effect from, from not doing rugby-specific stuff. So, yeah, we've done what we can as far as all the COVID protocols. Our preseason has been good, but, yeah, numbers is, is going to be a problem. Yeah, look, I, I, I hear you. Um, obviously, I speak from Toto Rugby Club point of view. I think... Rovers is, is no different to, to the other clubs um, in the sense of numbers and especially what you had in the past. I think now with the announcement, because when this announcement came through this week to say school rugby has stopped, um, we even at the club level had a lot of questions, coach, are we playing and whatever. I think there's a lot of concern in general 
And I think this will, especially with the younger younger players that have got young kids or whose wives are about to give birth or whatever, they don't want to be part of the COVID scenario, you know. So I think it, it, it just stresses everything out even more in the sense that people want to play, um, but there's that concern. So if we can move on then quickly then just to the Flyer Cup. Um, the past weekend, we, we, we saw the start of the Flyer. So just for, for the listeners out there, the Flyer is normally over over two two weeks, uh, where it's basically a, a, like a qualifier to play in the final. And over the over the past week, we saw College Rovers play against Varsity College. And uh, it doesn't happen yeah. often. Uh, uh, College uh, Rover lost. I, I, we were... I was trying to get you to move away from that one a bit, but I'll take this one on the chin. And then uh, obviously Crusaders and Collegians played. And uh, that was a ding-dong battle. If I go back years ago, um, and you were part of Toti that time, if I'm not mistaken, Toti and Rovers also went into a kickoff or it was just a two-point penalty or something similar to to what happened so so quite interesting but uh, you were part of part of the A's and the B side now because just uh, for the listeners now as well obviously in the flyer tournament there's there's four teams that that are taking part in that and there's a first and the second sides so it's College Rovers, uh, Durban Collegians, Varsity College and uh, Crusaders so uh, just from a from a being there part of point of view of Jeff, uh, if you can just explain a little bit as to what happened and then obviously the teams that have managed to go through through to the final, it's just by fluke that the A's and the B's followed each other. Yeah, it was uh, it was one of those games and, I, and, and let's, not, let's not make any bones about it. Uh, Varsity College from a first team point of view, they deserve their win. They're a, they're a nicely drilled outfit. Um, you can ask me what happened and, and whatever I say now is going to sound like I'm, I'm perhaps making an excuse for what is a, what was a poor, poor performance from our part. Perhaps went into the game a little bit undercooked. One or two preseason injuries and early injuries in the game. That was also your first game. Yeah, our first game. game. And we, we picked up, a, our captain got injured early, early in the game. And that's a bit of a disruption when you lose a captain who's truly a, he's an influence on the field. Um, but having said that, um, you know, you can't, you can't, make mistakes as, or as many mistakes as we did against a quality team like Varsity College and expect to come away with, with a win or to even have the game being close. We made too many mistakes in the, in the wrong areas. Uh, we played a lot. We played, we played most of the rugby, if I can say that, but we, we, didn't, we didn't finish perhaps as well as they did. We didn't take our chances as well as they did. Um, and, and, and when I say this, I'm referring to both, to both teams. Um, what I can say, and if we're going to if we're going to talk about um, the the um, provincial rugby, I think we suffered the same fate as what as what the Sharks did over the weekend. Our forwards just didn't front up, and uh, I think we were we were manhandled in the forwards both both teams more so the second team than the first team. But uh, particularly the second half, so it was almost a, a mirror image to what you may have seen against the Bulls, where we where we were in the game in the first half, but the second half they they forced to control and it. It made it hard for us. Um, then the mistakes crept in, the frustration kept in. But at the end of it, we must take it and, and move on. Like you said, it doesn't happen, happen often that, that we lose a game. But we'll just have to pick up from there and, and, and move on and look forward to the league if this thing does indeed continue. I just hate the uncertainty. No, definitely. And, and you know, I always say it's pre-season. Yes, it's a competition, it's pre-season. But I, I look at it like this. If, if I was playing there, uh, which we did in the past, 
Um, a lot of teams use that as a pre-season friendly. Um, personally, I would sooner lose there than lose in the league, if it makes sense, what I'm saying. Although it's, it's, it's good to play there, there's, there's good prize money and so forth, but that's where you build because now you're playing against the top teams in your, in your league and it's a psychological thing because you'll be playing them again. Yeah, Mark, it's, it's, um, it is a pre-season thing, I know, but, but it's, a, it's, a, it's a rugby game pride nevertheless. Thing is and still it's, there, it's, a, it's a pride thing that's still yeah. there. You don't, want to, you don't want to say, well, it's just pre-season. Yes, it is. And, but it gives us an opportunity to see where we perhaps what our shortcomings were and, and to work on. So fortunately, I guess there wasn't any, there wasn't with respect to Flyer. It's a, it's a fantastic tournament and they, they come in at the right time and it's gives, it gives the player something to play for. Um, it gives coaches a chance to have a look at the combinations, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I think it's invaluable in that respect. But it's not a, it's not the big prize at the end of the day which you, which you've got to work for. So if I can put you on the spot, yeah. Um, obviously, Crusaders are playing Varsity College in the in the final, and yourselves, Rovers, are playing against um, Durban Collegians. Durban Collegians. So being a being a Rovers boy, obviously, and Rovers playing the way they do. Having said that, collegians are, are a very tough competition in any case. But uh, if you had to put your neck out and to say, firstly, who will win the final between Crusaders and VC, and then secondly, um, obviously third and fourth place playoffs, who's, who's your money on? If I'm gonna go, if I'm gonna go the final, uh, Crusaders versus VC, VC are a good outfit, but having a look to see how, how Crusaders played, I think they played pretty well. Um, I think they've got the they've got the Ford the Ford pack and the grunt to match to match what what VC have got, and they're playing. They've got home ground advantage, and I think something something like that in a tournament like this is going to is going to be is going to be significant. Forget the fact that we that you play in some sort of buyer bubble. Um, a lot of spectators still pitch up and watch the game from from oh, certain sorry. from certain <laughs> vantage points. So we put it. Um, so there's still a lot of support behind Crusaders. So. Whether it's smart money or not, I don't know. But if I was to put money down, I would, I would, I would say that Crusaders are going to narrowly win this one. So they'll edge them. So it won't, it won't be like a runaway or easy game. No, it's not going to be an easy game. Yeah. It's not. But I, I, I'd put money on Crusaders to win this one within within seven. And obviously, playing at home um, in front of your home spectators yeah. that they shouldn't be, yeah. but those spectators put adds pressure to yeah, it's huge to your to it your. It does. To it does. And then uh, Rovers, Collegians game is going to be a tough one. Too. It's going to be tough. Um, our second side has been has been bolstered by in the in the front row now. So there's been a bit of a, a bit of a reshuffle there. We've uh, we've got we've got a tight head and a loose head now that have that have joined us. Um, so that's going to make a difference. I think that was that was our true Achilles heel against against Varsity College. We did a lot of the playing. But we just we just couldn't we couldn't get really really get any front football. So we were putting a massive pressure there, and it becomes hard to win a game like that. And we were the second side. We were we were seven nil up against odds, I guess, with about I don't know ten fifteen minutes left to play. But you can only you can only defend for so long. The dam will eventually going to break. Um, being and being under that sort of pressure in the tight five, the dam wall is going to break. And uh, they scored. They scored two tries to to win that one. Um, so we're disappointed there. First team against Durban Collegians. That's always that's always a humdinger. Um, but uh, two different types of two different types of play. 
I guess, or two different types of teams. You've got you've got a very confrontational forward orientated Durban Collegians, and you've got you've got Rovers who, particularly amongst the backs, like to play some high octane rugby. Um, and if that comes together, um, we should pull on this, this one off. I think with the with the return of of Ini Radebe from from the from the Kings, his surgeon to the Kings, he's back in the in the ten slot. Um, it's going to make a massive difference. He he ran really really nicely at training tonight, and um, it's it's looking good. Right. So obviously it doesn't often happen that Rovers lose two on the trot. So you'd back yourselves to at least take this one. I do, Mark. Um, it's a tough outfit with Durban Collegians. It's mm. gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be their forwards against against our backs. So it's gonna be an interesting interesting tussle. Yeah. Well, good luck to all four teams that are participating over the weekend and uh, may rugby win. Um, you know, obviously you are, you are over through and through and uh, being a friend of mine, I wish you guys well as well. Thank and you. Good luck to Derek and, and the troops. Um, if we can then just move on to the Pro 14 Rainbow Cup SA. Um, you touched on it briefly with regards to the Sharks. Um, you know, the Sharks playing the Bulls in the bull ring the past weekend unfortunately we're, we got a hiding 43-9 and then the Emirates Lions lost at home uh, to the DHL Stormers 37-39 but let's have a chat about the Bulls Sharks game what do you think happened there? you know both you and I know Sean Everett obviously he's a he's a very astute coach and very proud and he won't be happy with that and he also spoke about being manhandled um, what's your take on that game? Do you know what I think at, at half time it was it was pretty close. I think it was in a couple of points. But uh that that game turned in the last I think some of the substitutions with the with the bulls that they put on, particularly in the front row, made a difference. And again, very much this what I what I spoke about in a, in the club scene, you can it becomes difficult when you've got when you've got Fords hammering away to you the way they do. And um that was the difference. That's, I think I think Nick Mallett hit the nail on the head. Those were the words he used. Well, not really. Um, he didn't say manhandled. He just said that the Sharks forwards in the second half raised the white flag, um, which is unfortunate. It gave the it gave the Bulls a a very convincing looking win, um, if you consider the half time score. And then obviously with the with the with the Lions losing to the Stormers, that's gonna that's gonna give the Stormers a little shot in the arm, and so it's gonna set up a. It's going to set up an interesting battle between the between the Sharks and the Stormers in that game coming up. Although Sean has has bolstered his pack, so so let's see. Yeah, so have the Stormers. They got oh, Peter Steff, the Toy, and have. all those guys coming back yeah, too. So have. I it's think it's going to be a humdinger. In it's itself. going to be. Yeah, it's going to be. And you know, if you go to to the log um, after three games, the Bulls are obviously undefeated now. So they're sitting on thirteen points. The Sharks have lost one. We're on ten. Then the Stormers on seven, and the Emirates Lions on three. Um, so from a Stormers' point of view, there's all to play for as well. Yeah, because there if is. they beat us, then obviously they can go second on the yeah. Um Sean Everett did say that, uh, you know, the loss um, obviously is a setback and that, but they're very focused because they know the Bulls are only three points uh, ahead. Yeah. And we have to play the Bulls when they, when they come to Durban. So there's still all to play for. I think Sean's going to do his homework. And you know we've how many times before have we have we gone to Loftus or vice versa and and the and the Bulls have put a big score past us and then we've we've come back. How many people thought that the Sharks would even be in that Curry Cup final? Um, 
barring a barring a, a wayward kick here or there, the, the Sharks would have won that one, and that would have been against the odds. Yeah. So I think right the Sharks off at your peril. Um, they will they will come good when 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 it's needed. I'm sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, and and if you look, um, we haven't lost at home. I don't know what what the what the amount of games are, but we haven't lost at home for quite yeah, a while, yeah. and that in itself speaks volumes. And and like like all the franchises, uh, um, the the Sharks have also gone through a ref, the refazing yeah. and rebuilding phase. Um, nice to see Makazola Mapimpi is back, yeah. although he's not featuring this weekend. Um, so they've definitely got the quality. I think, uh, you know, if uh, planning, obviously Sean and, and these troops got the planning spot on, but something happened in the second half that probably caught them off guard. And then with two or three quick tries, I think three so. tries in, in, in the last, or in, within 10 minutes yeah. in the back end of that game. It's It's a... It's a hammer blow. You can't come back from that. Hundred percent. You know, especially if you're so focused. And you know, give credit to the Bulls. Um, there were a lot of people saying that it's so negative with Jake White coming back and the type of play that he's playing. And I mean, he's I turned that franchise upside down. Do you know, it was it was sitting in the back of my mind all the time. And you've it's you've kind of you've kind of taken the words out of my mouth because people will say, I've heard so many people jeepers, but the Bulls are playing such boring rugby. Who really cares if you're playing boring rugby? If you're sitting at the top of the log. And you and you and you winning. If if there were, I can tell you now, if if the if there were uh, spectators allowed of these games, the Bulls would have been back to full stadiums because they they that's that's what gets the people into the stadiums is it's it's the winning rugby. And whether you want to say Jake is 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 coaching or or coaching teams to play that type of rugby, which people construe as boring, if you're winning, you know, then then I'll take that any day. Well. Forty-three points can't be that boring. It can't can be it? that boring. You know what I'm saying. So, um, and and you look, the the main objective initially was obviously to turn the bulls around, which is done. I mean, he had a lot of critics saying he's bringing all the old people back, mm. but I mean, a guy like Dwayne Fulmier and even Mornay Stein, he's still Mornay, got aspirations Mornay, to play for Mornay the box. Stein, Mornay Stein had a fantastic game, as far as you know, he he uh, controlled the game, controlled well. the game mm. while he 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 kept the fours in the front foot all the time. So, it shows that. You know, you can't you can't write him off in any shape, manner, or form yeah, for, he's still for good, Springbok eh? selection. Yeah. He can he can still he can still play that guy. Yeah. No, and uh, and uh, you know, I look at him. He's still physical. I think he's more yeah. physical now than when he was younger yeah. before he left South Africa. You know, so and then just in, in in closing with regards to the Pro 14 Rainbow Cup SA, this weekend at at one o'clock on Saturday we see the Celsi Sharks play at home against Stormers, and uh, at uh, Fifteen thirty, the Emirates Lions play at home against the Bulls. Your take on those two games and your prediction? Yeah, it's 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 hard to predict. I think I think with with the Stormers bolstering their their unit and and the Sharks also adding some grunt to their pack, it's going to be a tough one. I'd like I'd like to you know my my I'd like to see the Sharks win this one. I think they've got the manpower to do it. I think in the past couple of seasons they've. They've had the Stormers number in, in, in more games. They've won more games than they've lost. And I think I think they know how to play against the Stormers. Um, so I think they've learned from their mistakes against the Bulls. I don't think they're going to get... I don't think they're going to be battered away like that where they end up running out of defenders. So it's going to be it's going to be an interesting one. I'd like to... I'd like to stick my neck out and say the Sharks are going to win this one by three. Mm. Yeah. No, I hear you. Um, you know, uh, like all the franchises, the Sharks is a proud franchise as well um, we know Sean we know that his preparation would be spot on or as spot on as possible 
Um, but it, I think it's going to be a difficult. It's going to be a difficult one. You know, we've got a we've got a, a positive wave that we're riding, especially the home one. And we, you're right. We have had the stormers number of late, but you know it's also pitches on the day and who's the hungrier team and all those small little technical things that the coaches work on that that either works or not. But I think with the return of all those players, um, both sides, I think it's going to be a, a cracker. And you're right to be a pundit on this one is is very difficult. But being home based, um, let's back the. Boys I say, I say, I say, sharks by three. It's. Uh, I have, a, I, have a, I have a sneaky suspicion that they're going to pull this one off. Yeah. Yeah. And then obviously Bulls playing the Emirates Lions, it can only Bulls. be the Bulls, I suppose. Yeah, that's, uh, I, I might might be end up eating my words, but it's <laughs> it's uh, as much as I don't want to say it, um, there's a lot of Lions supporters in the Toti area. I know there's a number of of Bulls supporters that may that may um, shoot me if I said anything other than the Bulls win, but it's yeah, I think the Bulls are going to be too strong. Yeah, sadly so. And to Sean Erasmus, who we've had... Um, in studio as well to to him and to the Emirates Lions. Hopefully, they'll turn the table somewhere. You know, because in the Curry Cup, they were they were not bad. They were mm. they were decent. They started playing proper rugby or good rugby, um, and now they've lost three on the trot. You know, so good luck to them as well. But that will definitely be a that'll be a goodie. But the, I think the Bulls are going to be too strong. I think that one's going to. I think the Bulls by by seven plus in this one. Yeah, sure. Good luck to them, and we'll. Yeah. I'll hold you to that one. <laughs> <laughs> then uh, just quickly, and uh, we'll just br- brush through this one quickly if we go to Varsity Cup and the Varsity Shield, just from a log point of view. Obviously, that those competitions are coming to an end now, and they're going to, to knockout stages. But as it stands, in the Varsity Shield, CPUT are sitting on 25 points, uh, Walter Sasulu University on 25, so that's a, that's a very close one. TUT is on 23, UKZN, our very own Donald and Gwenya's team, uh, on 17. Then uh, University of 40 on 13, Rhodes on 5, and the, the newbies to the Varsity Shield UT still struggling on 0. Um, with the knockouts going, I think it's uh, semi-finals and then finals, if I'm not mistaken, so by the looks of it, UKZN would be in there. I don't know if you've been watching some of these games. I haven't, I haven't watched much. I haven't, I haven't. See, to be honest, I haven't seen much of the shield, but I'm 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 surprised that that Fort Hare is where they are in the log. Um, they they normally a very good team and normally up there. But having said that, if you look at if you look at where Cape Peninsula University of Technology, that's another Cape team. If you see if you see how the Cape teams are performing now in the Varsity Shield, and you look at how they're performing in the Varsity Cup, um, there's some there's some healthy club rugby because um, let's not forget these are rugby clubs. Um, there's some there's some healthy club rugby in the in the Cape, and it's it's nice to see them doing so well. Perhaps yep. that's it, it bodes well for the Stormers if you see that the that the club rugby there now seems to be very strong. Well, other than that, I mean, hopefully there'll be some flow over into Eastern Province. Yeah, um, their yeah. franchise as well because you know they, they get their structures right, and then they will they will and, uh, and hold on to their players. But then again, I think we've spoken in one of the programs before. It becomes a it becomes a money thing. Unfortunately, because yeah. they there's it's a, if you look at some of the talent, not just at the school, but you look at the universities, there's there's a there's a lot of really good of, of real good talent yeah. out there, but they just battled all on to it. Well, if you look at Lukanya Am and Makuzolom yeah. and, and, uh, yeah. I mean, they're from that yeah. end of the world, you know, yeah. which is sad. So then, if you look at the if you look at the uh, cup, UCT as you mentioned, they're on thirty one, Ducks on twenty seven, 
Marty's, they've come back nicely. They were struggling in the yeah. first few games. They're yeah. on 25. CUT is on 22. And CUT, uh, nice to see them doing so well this year. They were in the Varsity Shield a few seasons ago. NWU on 19. Uh, University of Free State on 17. University of the Western Cape, uh, 15. UJ are unfortunately struggling this year. They uh, third from the bottom on 12. And then Vitz on eight, and the Madibas on five, um, and rightfully so. You've been you were talking about all the quality players. I mean, whether you look at the Varsity Shield or the Varsity Cup, I think there are so many good players in any position playing on any any given day. Um, and I think if you look at the Cup and the Shield from a South African point of view, this was a massive positive introducing. University rugby into our no, it system. Has been. It has been. I watched some of these. I watched some of these varsity cup games um, over this past week. So I, I know that you're going through the log. Then I'm. I'm. I'm just. I'm just having a look at it. So you've got. You've got tucks at the top. Um, that of, you know, they right up there. And then, well, you know, one of the top, you know, tops, second from the top. So not top, but second from the top. But have, then you look at. Some way further down the log, you've got. You've got Shimless, but the two of them played against each other. Now you would have you would have written Shimless off in that game, particularly yeah. from one or two per, yeah. uh, prior performances. But jeepers, what a performance those guys put in! I think they were pretty unlucky to have lost that game. Really, they they truly truly played well, and and I hope I hope they carry carry this through because it was, it was really really a good game to watch. And then the same can be said for for UCT who are sitting at the top, uh, played against the University in Cape, sort of mid to bottom end of the table. Um, in that Chester Williams Cup that they now mm. that they now play for, it was um, it was a flip, it was an, a fantastic game, Mark. It was a really good game to watch. Nice high scoring game. These the, the guys that are full go at each other, and so you have you have the the top two teams playing sort of mid mid to bottom of the log type uh, teams there, and man, they produce some good rugby. Hey, no, it's really a fact. Did. And and you know if you just look at that on it in its own merit, um, I think South African rugby is in is in good hands. We, yeah, it is. We've got some quality players it coming is. through. It is. It's uh, it's the, the the varsity shield and the cup. I know they they've tried to introduce a few a few laws here and there which may have been adopted into into club and to into provincial rugby. But you know people are going to have their own thoughts on those. But it's 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 been good for rugby in general. No, definitely. No, I agree with you. And I mean, there's I mean, if you look at in the Springbok setup, a guy like Louis de Jager, I mean, he never played uh, mm. quality or, or high level rugby un- at all until he went to varsity, and then his coach saw him playing there for the Corsairs. Yeah. Third league or whatever, and look where he is today. You know, so they rate him as one of the best locks in the world at the moment. So, I think um, it might encourage some of these youngsters to go to university and get <laughs> tertiary education yes. because they want to play rugby. So, and that's important. to get rugby and to get to get recognised and to get seen. If the varsities continue to play like this, it's going to encourage kids to get to go to university, not just to play rugby. Because uh, I don't know if many people know, out there know it is that you don't just go to university and play rugby. There's all sorts of there's all sorts of hoops you've got to jump through first before you can be selected for that yeah. side. You're, you've got to have, you've got to, your attendance gets looked at, your your marks get looked at. Um, you there's there's all there's all manner of things that that have that boxes rather that you've got to tick before you can actually represent those sides. So they they're doing a great job in in that respect. And you know, talking about that, you need to take your hat off to varsities as well because with them playing in Pretoria with a bio bubble, um, a lot of these. Students had to actually, let's say from Marty's now, they go and play there. So they're in the bio bubble for 10 days. They actually had to write exams yeah. at Tuckies. Yeah. So it's that organizing between the universities. I mean, there's 
seven or eight of them there every yeah. single time. So it's a it's a it's a big logistical nightmare. Yeah. Um, but they still pulled it off. And you're hundred percent right from a from a youngster's point of view. Rugby isn't everything. You need mm. to get some tertiary education behind you. Correct. Then if we can just move on quickly, uh, as we're running out of time, um, Italy have announced that um, Franco Schmidt has been released of his duties as a head coach for, for Italy. Um, they have replaced him with Kieran Crowley, the ex-New Zealand, I think he was a wing or... Kieran Crowley fullback. was, yeah, he was a he was a fullback wing, yeah. if, I'm, if I'm mistaken. So with. he is now coming to that role, and Franco Schmidt has been given the head of the high performance in Italian, Italian rugby, and he's now in charge of all the leagues within the structures of Italy. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't really know how to make of that because I don't, I don't think Franco did a particularly bad job, if you want to call it Italy. I think they they played some good rugby when they did in the in the Six Nations. I, I only saw that um, recently, so to make any any comment either way would be a little bit unfair. Um, I see a lot of the sides are going and getting the New Zealand coach route. Whether that's the the answer to their prayers or if that's going to be the silver bullet, I don't know. Um, you still have to have the playing personnel to do it, and in Italy, when you're playing the Six Nations, it's it's not always easy. When you're playing against quality sides like England and Wales and Ireland, week in and week out, it's not a, it's not a it's not an easy job. And um, with respect to Italy, they they front up sure, but you know you you do they have the necessary manpower? It becomes difficult. And and Mark, you and I know um, it doesn't matter who you're coaching. Um, people expect results all the time, and I think Franco has been a Perhaps been a an example of this, where maybe the results that were expected weren't forthcoming. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad to see he's kept a kept a job somehow within the Intel, with the Italian structures. And um, yeah, let's see where this develops. Yeah, it makes it difficult, you know. And and you know they also chop and change coaches quite often because yeah. of that. I suppose there's lots of expectation, and then you know whoever the new coaches comes through with different ideas. I mean, Franco also said just before the Six Nations concluded that Italy will never be there and thereabout, but if they are close, it would take them about eight years to get there. Yeah. Um, because obviously your structures and so forth, you know, even if you look in the Pro Pro 14, um, the Italian sides, they struggle in that as well, you know. So yes, mm. they're there and thereabout, but collectively, I think it is an issue. So... I think and with it's the Italian, difficult for them. I think the when the Italians too, when they when they lose when they lose talismanic players really that to retirement or whatever, when they start losing players like Martin Castro Castro Jeepers cut. Castro Giovanni. Hey, gotta get your head around that one sometime. <laughs> and and Sergio Parisa, they those are two talismanic players that that uh, can inspire that Italy side to to pull off a win or two. Um but without them, Italy tend to struggle a bit. Well, we wish uh, Franco well yeah. in his new endeavour yeah. and, and hopefully he can have some sort of influence on the Italian rugby union to, to start changing things a little bit. And then yeah. obviously for Kieran Crowley, we wish him well too and it's a very difficult uh, position that he's going to hold. And, you know, if you if you're a coach and you are selected for, let's say, the Springboks or England for that matter, yes, the pressure is there, but you know you've got a winning formula or you've got yeah. the players to back you. Yeah. When you go to a place like that where you know the history um, shows that all the coaches have struggled because of players, then uh, you know the writing's on the wall yeah. possibly yeah. very sooner than you think. 
Anyhow, then just in ending, uh, if we can bring it uh, home a little bit to, to the schoolboy rugby. Um, this past weekend, we saw a few games where the schools obviously partake in, in local schoolboy rugby, and unfortunately, it was the last one. Um, but just from a local school point of view where, where I'm involved, Kingsway, um, we played Kisvach in a, in a, in a local derby, uh, who are our neighbours. And uh, yeah, I just want to put it out there to the boys and to our followers and supporters that we managed to pull one over Kiswach the last weekend. And just by fluke now, it's the it's the last of of schoolboy rugby as well. So we will we will end the year on high. And it was actually quite nice to to beat Kiswach at home. Um, you guys also played them a few weeks ago. Um, how was your take on that? Yeah, Kiswach Kiswach is a they've got a they've got a they've got a healthy tradition and I think to to beat them on the home ground is is no easy feat um I would love to have watched the game to see sort of what it how that all unfolded so so well into Kingsway and winning that one um doesn't often happen that that one of our so-called English schools goes to goes to the fortress at, at Kisvach and pulls one off that's that's not easy so yeah well done to you guys Mark thanks Jeff no we'll definitely take that um well, that's a wrap. Uh, just from me, Mark Cameron. Um, Jeff, thank you very much for accepting your invite to, to come into the studio. As normal, you're welcome to join us at any time. Yeah, thanks, Mark. It was lucky to be here. Thank you. And to the listeners, thank you for, for tuning in and listening. Have a great rugby week.